Vacation Bible School. Hey, listen, if you have not experienced Vacation Bible School at First Norfolk, you have missed a lot. And uh, one of the great joys that we have every single year is celebrating with hundreds and hundreds of young children uh, and their families as they gather with us uh, for Vacation Bible School. June the 24th through the 28th, go ahead and put it on your calendar uh, and you can uh, be a part by praying. You can be a part by uh, serving, and you can be a part by making sure your children and your neighbor's children and your neighbor's 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 children uh, know about Vacation Bible School. We're doing it uh, from uh, 9, I have to look, 9 to 12.15 at our Kempsville location and 6.30 uh, to 8.45 here at our Volvo location, and it's going to be an exciting time. And that is what we're praying for. Uh, this uh, journey that we are on as a church is to pray at one o'clock for one minute for one thing. And what we're going to be praying for is Vacation Bible School, that lives would be changed, that families would be rescued, uh, that uh, destinies would be transformed. We're praying for God to do an amazing work of grace through Vacation Bible School. So uh, at one o'clock, you pray for Vacation Bible School. Pray for our leaders, especially Julie Hunt and uh, Jan Frost. Uh, and you pray for them as they organize and, and categorize and uh, whatever other eyes you might have. It, it's going to be a great time. Well, I'm excited to be with you here today. And I'm thankful for, uh, for uh, Tim being at our Kempsville location. He got to preach three times today, and I get to preach once, and it is a thrill. I've got to tell you, it is like I, I was texting him a little bit earlier uh, about 15 minutes ago, and I said, you know, uh, this is the most relaxing uh, Sunday I've had in I don't know how long. It, it's just wonderful, and I'm thankful for uh, just this opportunity and thankful for Will carrying the load at our Kemsville location. Isn't uh, Tim, isn't Tim great? Aren't you excited about Tim? Uh, Tim is excited uh, to be here. We're excited to have him. Uh, I wanted to be here today uh, because this is going to be my last shot to be with you in person. Next Sunday, we have our Vision and Valor uh, weekend, and uh, uh, that's going to be a great weekend. And then June the 2nd uh, is our Graduate Sunday, but uh, we're starting a series on that day in First Peter. And I'll be, uh, I'll be sharing by video here on that first Sunday, June the 2nd. And then following that, beginning June the 9th, Tim will be preaching uh, the rest of that series here live. And so uh, I, I look forward to learning from him and growing uh, from his preaching ministry as well as he leads here, uh, as he preaches here. Uh, so uh, you be in prayer for Tim as he prepares. Now I've said Tim and Will a couple of times because I wanted to talk about Will. Will is right over here. Well, Will was right here. Uh, he left. Uh, he uh, got scared. Will... <laughs> If you don't know Will, Will's going to be sitting next to Ashlyn. They're not going to be holding hands during church, but after church they will hold hands. Uh, uh, will is my intern for the summer, and I'm excited about that. Anything you need from me, you talk to him. Okay? You go ahead and talk to him. But Will, when he comes in, everybody give him a hand. When he comes back in, everybody just, y'all pay attention. When he comes back in, y'all just give him a hand. Okay? When he walks in, say, Yay! Uh, okay, you promise to do that? Hey, interrupt whatever I'm saying. It'll be great, okay? It'll be a lot of fun. In fact, if we had time, I would have, let's all get up and leave. 
And that would be even better. Uh, well, uh, let me go ahead and get started. We are uh, talking about uh, a new you, and you hear that all the time. Uh, let me begin by talking about nets. Y'all know nets, uh, not G-N-A-T-S, uh, but N-E-T-S, not N-E-S-T, but N-E-T-S, nets. I love nets. I, I, I have nets. I love nets. When I was a little boy, um, uh, you know, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, uh, pretty much all that time, I, I would make nets out of diapers. Now, some of y'all don't know that diapers used to be cloth diapers. And that was before uh, Pampers were a thing or anything with Snuggies or Huggies or Buddies or whatever they are now. Uh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, but uh, the, the diapers were cloth diapers. Now, what you could do is if you take that diaper, that big cloth diaper, and you cut off the top of it, the, it's like that, you cut off the top, it's two-ply. Uh, what that means is you can peel that back and there becomes a net. You uh, tie the bottom in a little knot and then you take that diaper now that looks like a, 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 a net um, and you take a clothes hanger and you bit. Woo! Yes! Wasn't that great? Will, I was just telling him how you're my intern this summer and... Uh, whatever I need, they're going to, or whatever they need, they're going to ask you. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, sorry, man. I didn't mean it. But then I thought I went with it. So let's just go ahead and embarrass you all the way. Uh, that'd be great. All right. Will's a great young man. I'm excited for him. Uh, anyway, so you take that, that diaper that you pulled apart and you take a coat hanger, you make a, a kind of a circle or a, a triangle out of that hope, a coat hanger and you tape the top of the diaper onto that coat hanger. So now you've got this kind of thing. Then you take that coat hanger and you duct tape it to a sawed off uh, broom handle. And that becomes a net. Now you might say, well, that's a lot of work. It was, but it was so much fun because I would use that net to catch beautiful butterflies. I would go running, my brother and I would go running through our neighborhood. Is that geeky or what? Uh, we go running through our neighborhood and we would catch uh, butterflies of all sorts. I remember one fall, uh, the monarch butterfly was making its migration, uh, and it was coming through Dallas, Texas, where I live. It was making its migration south uh, to South America, and there were like thousands of monarch butterflies. And I remember going outside, seeing all the monarch butterflies, and yelling, Brett, that's my brother, Brett, the monarchs are coming, the monarchs are coming. Seriously, it was awesome. Um, so we go uh, chasing around those butterflies. We had a butterfly collection. It was great. Uh, but even today, I love nets. This is a very special net uh, that uh, my uh, wife and four daughters uh, had specially made uh, in western Maine. Now, this net doesn't catch beautiful butterflies, but it helps me catch beautiful rainbow brown and brook trout. And so I carry this net with me wherever I go, uh, whether I'm fishing or not, I hitch it to the, my belt and I will go and I want to be able to catch uh, those beautiful uh, trout. And I got to use it this week. Uh, there are specialty nets that uh, animal uh, uh, caregivers have. Uh, these uh, uh, specialists 
uh, have these uh, unique nets that are especially designed to uh, capture different animals that are in dangerous places and safely capture them and then take them to safe places and let them go. And that's really what we're going to be looking at a little bit today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we need to understand that Jesus has especially designed the net of his love to capture us and to rescue us from the dangerous place in which we live and then set us free to live fully human lives. And Jesus, in the net of his love, has captured us. And many of you are here today, and you have been captured by that love. You have been absolutely overwhelmed. As we were listening to some of the songs, and you were singing uh, some of these songs of praise that, that, uh, that our team was leading us in, um, you, you could hear the energy and the excitement that, that I ran out of that grave. I'm no longer dead, but now... I'm alive because of Jesus. That is the net of Christ's love capturing you and, and rescuing you from the dead place so that he might release you to live, to live fully human lives. Now, as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want you to, I want you to hear what Paul said about the love of Christ. And how it changes our lives. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 14 and 15. Paul describes the net of Christ's love. Specially applied to rescue us. And he writes. For the love of Christ compels us. Constrains us. Controls us. Directs us. All those things. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thusly. That if Christ if one died for all, then all have died. And Christ died for all. So that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The Apostle Paul was telling the story of Christ's love. And, and in a moment, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that. But that love changes our lives. And, and that's what creates the new you. It is the love of Christ that changes our lives as we consider what it is that God has for us to do and how to live. I want you to see how that Christ's love will truly create a new you, a new you. And, and maybe, maybe that's exactly what you've been waiting for. You've been trying a new wardrobe or a new diet plan or a new exercise regime You've been uh, trying a new relationship or a, a new philosophy for life. You've been trying all kinds of different scenarios to get a new you. And friends, I've got to tell you, all of those things, even though they may be valuable in some ways, all of those things are going to fall short. They're not going to give you the new you that you need. Only Christ's love can do that. That really is what Paul is talking about when he says the love of Christ compels us for we judge thusly. Now, what's he talking about judging there? He's saying, I've determined that I have a new way of living. I have a new life. I have a new direction. I have a new determination, a new ambition. Everything Paul was writing, everything about him had been changed by the love of Christ. 
Paul said that that love had captured him. Jesus had spread the net of his love around the apostle Paul and it changed his life forever. We know this as you read about the apostle Paul known as Saul in the book of Acts. You see that he was a religious man, that he was a a, a faithful follower of the law and and, uh, the rabbinic code, but but he was a man that was empty and he was looking for a new you. He thought he would find that new you as he began to pursue people who were followers of Jesus. And, and he began to pursue them to uh, put them in prison. He was even there at the stoning of a deacon in the church named Stephen. And Paul was on his way to imprison believers in Damascus. And while he was on that journey, he was blinded by a light, a light from God himself. And Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul, and Paul's life was forever changed. Paul got a new you. And that's what the love of Christ does. The love of Christ creates a new you And when we are transformed by that love, it gives us a new view. A new view of ourselves and a new view of others. Again, Paul is describing this this love when he writes in verse uh, 16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now... We know him thus no longer. Christ's love gives us a new way of seeing. A new way of seeing ourselves and a new way of seeing the world around us. It's a a new view that is created not by what we do, not by how well we perform, not the grades we make, not the people we know, not the job we uh, have, not how much money we have in our checking account or savings account. Not how uh, fancy of a car we drive or how big a house we live in. Not the rank that we make in the Navy. Not, not any of those things. That is not how we view ourselves. Now, can I tell you something about me? This is hard for me because I am a performance person. And what I mean by that is I like to have a goal and to achieve the goal. If I don't achieve the goal perfectly, I feel something like maybe a failure. And it, it has driven me through much of my life, this, this desire for perfection, driven by performance. And so often in my life, I've defined who I am by what I did. Have you ever done that? And so if I am a person that preaches, I'm a preacher, and therefore I'm defined by my preaching. If I'm, a, if I'm a father, I'm defined by fatherhood. If I'm a husband, I'm defined by my uh, wife. And that remains the same, by the way. That, I'm still defined by my wife. But, uh, but everything that I do begins to define me. The problem with that is if I don't do well in any of those areas, then I lose my significance. What Paul is saying in verse 16 is, I'm not judging myself or others according to the flesh any longer. I'm not judging who I am 
based upon what I do or how well I perform or even what you think about me. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing myself and others through the lens of what Jesus Christ has done for me. No longer do we see ourselves as people who either succeed or fail. Rather, we see ourselves as people who are sinners. All of us, each one, all of us have failed God. But all of us in Christ have been rescued. We have a new view. A new view so that we're not measuring other people by what they do. Now, I'll just stop for a second. When you see somebody walk in and they sit somewhere in this worship gathering and you look at them, are you judging who they are based upon what they're wearing or what they're doing? Are you making a determination about them based upon their performance, about their outward appearance? If so, then you need to embrace the new view that Jesus gives. See, Jesus calls us not to judge people according to the flesh, and we don't like to be judged that way either, but don't judge people according to the flesh. Don't judge them by their appearance or what they're doing. Rather, judge them by what Jesus has done for them or can do for them. We have a new view of ourselves and others. We want to view everyone through the lens, the lens that Jesus sees us through. Can, can I tell you something about Jesus? He sees you, every bit of you. There's nothing about you that he doesn't know. Uh, you can fool me and I can fool you and I can pretend like I'm all holy and all that stuff. I try not to, but I, I can pretend that way and you can pretend that way to me. You can act like you've got it all together and I can act like I've got it all together. But friends, Jesus knows everything about you, everything about me. He sees us inside and out. He understands exactly what's going on in your world. He understands your failings. He understands the most wicked thing you've ever done. And yet he determined that you were worth the price of his life. You think about that. And Jesus determined that you were worth the price of of his life. If one died for all, then all have died. He died for all. Jesus died for you and me, sinners though we are. The king of the cosmos humbled himself for you to rescue you. What a picture of his love. That should change the way we see ourselves and each other and Jesus said that you were worth his life and he determined to die so that you might live he gives us a new view and and not only does he give us a new view he gives us a new you he gives us a new who we are look at verse 17 if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. What's the next phrase? Behold, 
all things have become new. Now all these things are from God who has reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. God sent Jesus on a mission to take that old, dried up, lifeless, listless self that we were and transform us into vibrant, soul-satisfied, fully human beings. In Christ Jesus, we who are dead have become alive. We who are lost have been found. We who were in exile, in the dangerous place that our sin has built for us, Jesus came and he tore down the walls of our own prison through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead so that he might take us by the heart and by the hand and lead us out of our cell of shame into the wondrous light of his glorious love. His love changes me. It makes me new. I have a new life. I have a new hope. I have a new purpose. I have a new dream. I have a new destiny. I have a new worship. I have a new me. All because of Jesus. Have you experienced that? This is what Jesus does. His love gives us a new you. It makes us brand new. It gives us a new view of ourselves and Others, it gives us a new me, creating me brand new in Christ Jesus. and gives us a new purpose. Christ's love gives us a new purpose. Now, what is that purpose? It is the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God is not imputing our trespasses against us, but he has given us this word of reconciliation, this word of making peace between us and God. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ were imploring through us on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know what? All of us are here today and we think that our purpose is pretty clear. I I think all of us have, we wake up in the morning and we have some semblance of a purpose Sometimes that's just to make it through the day. Sometimes it's, it's to make sure that we, uh, that we uh, have three meals that day. I, 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 uh, I know that there are some people I hang out with. Um, actually, I don't really hang out with anybody. But if there were some people I hang out with, um, no, I, I have a buddy that uh, I go fishing with, and, and he measures his day by the meals he eats. And it's almost as if when he wakes up in the morning, he's thinking about breakfast, and then he's thinking about snack, and then he's thinking about lunch, and then he's thinking about a snack, and then he's thinking about a snack, and then he's thinking about dinner. And then he's thinking about another snack. You know, he measures his days by, and, and, and he'll, we'll be fishing, and we'll be catching fish, and he'll stop, and he'll say, well, where are we going to eat dinner? I don't know. I don't care. Maybe your purpose is to make yourself happy there's nothing wrong with being happy i just have to tell you that if your purpose is to make yourself happy you're going to come up disappointed because you you're not up for that 
I'm not either. I can't make myself happy. It doesn't matter what all I pursue, whatever things I want to take hold of and claim as my own. No matter what I do, I am incompetent when it comes to making myself happy, and so are you. That, that was my coffee that spilled. Thank you all. Yeah, that, was it yours or mine? Okay. Aren't you glad this is not on video? We're not live streaming to anyone. It's great. This is live, not Memorex. Not everybody's going to get that, but some of you will. Some of you will. Um, when, when we look at our lives and we determine our purpose is to make ourselves happy, we're going to come up short. And see, this is the, your friends, my friends, people who don't know Christ, this is what they do every day. They're just looking for something make themselves happy but go back to verse 15 now what what did what did Paul say he said that the love of Christ not only changed his life but it also shaped his purpose that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again you realize that that is a return to the purpose that will truly satisfy us the only thing that's going to satisfy you, no matter how old or young you may be, the only thing that's really going to satisfy is living for the pleasure of God. That, that's it. That's all. In my house, we have different signs, and if you've been with me for any period of time, you know one of my favorite phrases is, my one ambition is to make God smile. This comes from... Uh, what Paul wrote, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, if you look up there, it says, Therefore we make it our aim, our ambition, our purpose, our goal. We make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an answer for the things we do in the body, whether good or bad. You know, the truth is, when we are transformed by Jesus, when he gives us a new you, he also gives us a life and soul-satisfying purpose, and that is to please God. To live for him who died for us and rose again. We're no longer trying to satisfy our self-centered desires, but now we are pursuing what will please Jesus, what's going to honor him. And he spells it out for us, again, the love of Christ changes my life and it shapes my purpose and what is my purpose i have a new calling and it's not to be chief petty officer it's not to be uh, vice president of the bank it's not to be the teacher of the year it's not to be uh, honor roll no my my chief purpose is to be an ambassador for christ this is how i walk in the love of Christ each day is when I determine that I will speak for Jesus to others. That's what an ambassador does. I speak for Jesus to others. How is it that we've gotten so far away from our purpose? We'll speak to Jesus about uh, Portland getting throttled by Golden State. We'll speak to others about whether Clemson's going to be number one in the NCAA football 
season. And we'll, 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 we'll speak to others about the latest deal that you got at, uh, on Amazon Prime, or you speak to others about uh, a lawn chair that you just got and you think it's great. You'll speak to others about a hundred different things, but when was the last time you spoke to someone about the love of Jesus that changed your life? See, guys, this, this is key ingredient for us. This isn't a small thing. This is, this is a main thing for us. We need to tell others about the love that has changed our life. Why? Why would you keep it silent? See, an ambassador, that's what you're called. If you're a new creation in Christ, you are an ambassador for Jesus. An ambassador is a representative. And it's not just representing him by how we live, although that's important. It's representing him with our words. We beg you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. That, that's speaking. When was the last time you begged somebody to be captured by Christ's love? See, we have a new purpose, and this purpose will satisfy our soul completely. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ changes our life and shapes our future. The love of Christ defines who we are and directs what we do. The love of Christ changes everything. Has it changed you? Today the question is, what do you do with all this? 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20, uh, 12 through 21. What, what do you do with all this? Well, the first thing I want to encourage you to do this week, this week, is to see others and yourself through the lens of Christ's love. How are you judging yourself? How are you judging others? Is it through the lens of Christ's love where the king of glory gave his life for you a sinner, for him a sinner, for her a sinner? See yourself. It's axiomatic in any kind of sitcom drama or anything. When the guy looks at the girl and says, I like the way I look through your eyes. It's a little cheesy. It's Hallmarky. Hallmark Christmas movies. 204 days left till they start. No, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't started counting yet. I'll start in August. I like how I look through your eyes. Do your friends like how they look through your eyes. If we see them through the lens of Christ's love, we see the intrinsic value that Christ has placed upon them. The intrinsic value they are worth dying for. So this week, instead of looking at others based upon what they're driving or what they're doing or even what they're saying, and that can get hard sometimes. 
see others through the lens of Christ's love. The second thing I want to encourage you to do this week is share the story of Christ's love with someone else. And the story of Christ's love is that we all have a problem, and it's our sin. And our sin has created a barrier between us and God that we can't fix. Therefore, because of our sin, we're all stuck in a a cell of shame and, and living hopelessly in this life. We have a problem. But God has made provision. And God sent Jesus to rescue us. We can't fix our sin problem. And so we are hopelessly lost until God sent Jesus to rescue us. The provision of God is a provision of love. Jesus came to capture us in the net of his love, to set us free from the death our sin has dealt us, and to send us out to live as new creations in Christ Jesus. We have a problem, and that's our sin. God has made provision, and that is Jesus. His death on the cross as payment for our sin, his resurrection from the dead to give us new life. And then there's a promise. And the promise is that whoever believes on Jesus will be rescued. Whoever believes on Jesus will be rescued. To believe on Jesus means that you trust his death on the cross as payment for your sin, his resurrection from the dead as sufficiency to give you a new life, that, that you can enter into a relationship with God because Jesus has paved the way through his death on the cross. And believing on Jesus is believing that he is God made man who dwelt among us who died in our place and rose again to believe on jesus means that we have to turn away from our sin we've got to turn away from selfish ambition and desire so that we live no longer for ourselves but for him who died for us and rose again we've got to believe on jesus we've got to repent But the promise is, when we call upon Jesus through faith and repentance, we will be rescued. There's a problem, God's provision, and the promise. Will you share the story of Christ's love with someone this week? When it's all said and done, anytime... We talk about Jesus and his love. I feel compelled by Christ's love to give you an opportunity to respond. See, some are here today, perhaps, who are still lost in their sin, who desperately want life and hope and purpose. You want a new you. And you've tried to make a new you. But today, you see that the only way to get to a new you is to Embracing Jesus. Trusting Jesus. Clinging to Jesus as your only hope. And even now, you sense the net of Christ's love 
being offered to you to rescue you from the death-dealing blow of your sin and to give you new life. Are you ready to be saved today? I invite everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, in these next few moments, as we respond to your call upon our lives, I pray that you would speak clearly to those in this room, especially, who have yet to be rescued by your love. I pray in these next few moments that you would give each one the courage and the faith To believe on Jesus, the courage and the faith to turn away from the pursuits that they have made to somehow create something new, something worthwhile, something valuable. I pray that you give them the faith that they need to let go those pursuits in order to supremely pursue you their only hope for rescue, for life, for joy. And now in these moments to follow, I pray, God, that you would speak clearly to those who belong to you, believers here in this room today who long to see themselves not by what they do, how well they perform, see themselves through the lens of your love, that we would begin to like how you see us, embrace how you see us, live through the lens of your love for us. God, help us to see each other that way too. God, I pray that you would help us share the good news of your great love with just one person this week to share the story of Christ's amazing love that has changed our life this week. Now be glorified as we worship you, as we adore you, as we um, respond to you in these next few moments. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.